Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. actually achieve success. So it seems to be that there's a fear of failing to keep the resolution, which is preventing people from even making one anymore. And I don't know what your thoughts are on resolutions or where you're at this morning. Maybe you're just really excited about 2017. Maybe you're part of that group that you're amped up and you've got a resolution or two in your pocket and you're just excited to go for it. Or maybe you're in the group that I'm a part of, and you're still working on a past resolution. Uh, 16 years ago, I said on New Year's Day that I was going to work out like a whole lot and just get like jacked and have like a six pack and all these kind of things. And yeah, so here I am 16 years later. Uh, Maybe you just don't do resolutions at all and that's fine. Maybe you're here and you're, you're just glad that 2016 is over because maybe it was just a really difficult year. Maybe it was, a, it was tough. Maybe you're all over the map and you're not quite sure how to feel about 2017. Or maybe not only was 2016 a difficult year, but maybe you feel like you failed God in 2016. Maybe you, you felt like a, a failure. Maybe 2016 was supposed to be the year. Maybe you said to God or to someone else or to yourself, this is the year I'm really going to take my faith seriously. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to share my faith more. I'm going to give more. Whatever it is. And maybe it didn't happen and you're feeling like a failure. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're, you've got doubts. You've got confusion. You're wondering, can God still use me? Will he still use me even though I failed? Maybe I failed multiple times in 2016. Wherever you're at this morning, my goal is to bring hope. Hope from the Word of God. Hope for today, yes, but hope for all of 2017 and however many years we have left in our lives. So I want us to look at somebody who knows what it's like to fail. Who knows what it's like to feel like a failure. Talking about Peter. Peter the disciple. He had some great moments as a follower of Jesus, but he also experienced pretty severe failures. So we're going to look at this in Mark 14, 66 to 72. What's happened is Judas has betrayed Jesus. He's been arrested in the garden. He's been taken out to the council of priests, and the disciples have scattered. And Peter has kind of found his way, and he's observing what's going on to Jesus This is where we pick it up, verse 66. It says, As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. He broke down and wept. Peter was supposed to be the bold one. 
He was supposed to be the fearless one. It wasn't long before where he had said, Jesus, even if everybody else forsakes you, even if they all deny you, I never will. I'll die for you. I'm ready to die for you no matter what happens. And yet here he is denying Jesus three times, denying that he even knows the man, that he's even associated with it. He failed. Experienced severe failure. And just like Peter, although not necessarily in the same circumstances, I think we can relate a little bit. Maybe we didn't deny Jesus three times, but all of us have failed at something at some point in our lives, and all of us will fail. And we're going to talk about this. That's what I mean. We will fail. Message of hope. We will fail. We've all failed at something in our life. You don't have to think probably that long. Look back in your life. Okay, maybe I failed at this, and I tried this, and I failed this. Maybe it was um, an employer. Maybe it was friends. Maybe it was family. Maybe it was God, right? Again, we may not have denied Jesus three times in one night, but we've failed. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how many resolutions we make, we're, we're going to fail again. At some point, in some way, multiple ways. I mean, Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of the sinfulness in us, we are prone to fail and to keep on fail, and we, we need help, whether we're 2 or 92. Failure. Now, Peter broke down and wept when he failed. And the question is, how do we respond to that failure? When, when failure faces us, when we do something and we fail, how do we react? We don't have it written down in Scripture exactly what Peter thought. It just says he broke down and he wept. But maybe he thought like we do. And he said, maybe to himself, I'm done. You know, I'm out. I screwed up too big. Don't call me a disciple. I just, I just denied even knowing Jesus and he was the Messiah. Like, I, I don't deserve to be part of that group. I don't deserve to be in with him. Have you ever been there? I know I have. I've done something. I've said something. Or I didn't say something. I didn't do something. And I go, how can I call myself a Christian? How can I call myself a follower of Jesus? Let alone a pastor, someone who's trying to lead other people to follow Jesus after I just did that. Or I didn't do that. Whatever it was, you know, maybe it was a moment of bitterness or pride, selfishness, lack of faith, being angry at someone, maybe your kids, maybe your wife, maybe your neighbor, maybe someone driving, maybe your boss, whatever it is, not loving people. I've been there. And I can bet you've been there too. What do I do when I feel like this failure? Well, I want us to go back to Peter. I want us to look at what happened. To Peter. It's pretty clear that denying Jesus is his lowest moment, but what happens just a few days later? You can turn to Mark chapter 16, verse 5 to 6. Jesus is killed, he's crucified, he's buried, he's put in a tomb. There's a stone put in the tomb. Sunday morning, the women are coming, they're coming with spices to anoint his body. They're wondering, who's going to move the stone away? What's going to happen? How are we going to get in there? And they see that the stone has been rolled away. Verse 5 of chapter 16 says, Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee 
There you will see him just as he told you. Look at verse 7 again. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. The angel tells them, make sure you find Pete. Go tell him. He's not here. He's risen. Make sure he knows the glorious news that Jesus Christ is alive. He's not dead anymore. He has been raised. I love that Peter gets singled out. It's almost like, be sure that you tell him he's still in. Be sure that you tell him that he hasn't been completely disqualified. Yes, he failed, but he's not completely disqualified. David Garland uh, says this, a quote here. The special nod to Peter hints at his full restoration despite his extraordinary breach of faith. Jesus does not give up on his disciples no matter how great their failure or how many their faults. It's very encouraging. Even though Peter failed in a big way, the story wasn't over for him yet. And even though we have failed and even though we will fail, the beauty of the gospel is that there is Grace and there is mercy for us in Jesus Christ. There is grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. Peter's failures, my failures, your failures, all of our sins, past, present, future, all paid for on the cross by Jesus. And there's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's the offer of eternal life, fresh start, new mercy. And you might be sitting here and be like, yeah, but I don't deserve that. I don't deserve a new start. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve mercy. And it's like, exactly. You don't. But that's the whole point of the gospel. God knows you don't deserve it, but He loves us and He chose to give us grace and mercy anyways. He treats us way better than we deserve. And so it's 2017. And we need a reminder of this simple truth. Not just because it's New Year's Day, but every single day to, rem- to wake up and remember there is grace, there is mercy for you in Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness of sins, of all our failures. Right? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful to forgive. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He took the punishment. He paid the penalty in our place. And we receive grace and mercy and eternal life. And so again, maybe you're sitting here and maybe 2016 had a lot of failure. Maybe 2016 had a lot of disobedience and sin against the Lord. Maybe we failed and sinned last night. And we're sitting here And we're going, I don't even know why I'm here. I feel unworthy to be here. I feel beat up. I feel beat down. I I feel like I've exhausted God's mercy. Maybe maybe His love has run out. I, I can't believe I did that. Or maybe you're saying, I can't believe I did that again. If that's you, come to Jesus. Come confessing your sins and realize the abundant mercy of God. As was read earlier, as we started the service, Lamentations, chapter 3, 21 to 23. Listen to this. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Why does he have hope? Because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There is new mercy for you today. There is new mercy for me today. His mercy never comes to an end. His love keeps going on and on and on. It's new every morning. What does that mean? That means that God is willing to begin anew with anybody who's willing to come to Him in repentance. Anyone who comes to Him for mercy, He is willing to extend mercy. Anyone who's willing to confess and say, God, I need help, I need you, He is willing to begin anew with you. So today truly is a new day. A new day to experience new mercy. Start fresh. Another chance. And yes, some of the actions that we have done, there, are, there still remain some earthly consequence to it. But the eternal penalty has been paid. And that's the truth. And that's the, a glorious truth that, again, we need to know. We need to remember. We need to hear. It's the truth. There's mercy for you. Can I have a pastoral honesty moment? Can we do that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Pastoral honesty. This is, okay, this is the truth. Uh, Sometimes I struggle to believe that truth. I know it in my head. I know the truth that God sent Jesus and He died for my sins and there's forgiveness and there's eternal life and He raised it. I know it, but sometimes I struggle to believe it. I feel, I feel like a failure. Sometimes I feel like I've let God down too many times. And I feel like he should just move on from me and use somebody better. I don't think I'm alone in feeling that way. I'm sure Peter felt that way too. He said, no, screwed up. Use James or John or Matthew. No, not me. I'm done. I have these moments and I battle and I wrestle with what's true in my mind versus what I'm feeling after what I've done or what I've said. And it's in these times that I have to go to one of my favorite passages for comfort and hope. Isaiah 42, 1-3, particularly verse 3, but 1-3 to is great. Prophecies about the Messiah. Who is Jesus? What is He going to be like? It says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon Him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. Here it is. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. A bruised reed he will not break. I I read that. As I read it, I say to myself, God's not done with you. God's not done with you yet. And I want to say that to you this morning. God's not done with you either. A bruised reed he will not break. Let's talk about this for a second. We've got a picture coming up here. That's just a a panpipe flute made of some reeds. High quality picture, I know. Uh, Reeds are very common, and they were common back in that day as well. And what you would do is you would get bamboo or maybe another kind of plant with a hollow reed, and you would grab one and maybe you would poke holes in it to make a single flute or you'd grab a whole bunch together and make a panpipe flute like that. 
Lots of people did it. And as you were going, if you were carving, you were shaping, cutting, whatever you're doing, if the reed happened to bend or bruise, same word, you wouldn't try to fix it. You would simply just grab another reed because they're so common and you just toss that one away. It's like, it's a reed, who cares? There's, there's millions of reeds, I'm just going to grab one. I'm not going to waste my time trying to repair this one. And I think there are many Christians today, myself included at times, that believe Jesus should just do the same thing. Well, I, I bent, I got bruised, I, I failed, just toss me away and grab somebody else. But you see, Jesus isn't like anyone else. A bruised reed, he will not break. He doesn't just toss us away when we fail. He continues to use us. He restores us. He binds us up and shapes us for his glory. And if you're here this morning and and you're not a follower of Jesus, please, please, don't let your past failures and your past sins prevent you from coming to Christ for mercy. Don't Don't think that you're too far gone. You're not too far gone. You're not damaged beyond repair. You're not too bruised. You're not hopeless. You haven't exhausted His love for you. And if you're here and you're sitting here and you are a follower of Jesus, His mercy is new for you. You may feel very bruised. But as the scripture said, a bruised reed, he will not break. He's not done with you. He loves you like crazy. He sent his son to die for you. He's got specific plans for you. I don't know exactly what they all are for everybody here. But if you are alive right now, he's still got plans to use you in some way. He's not done with you. And you know what? You need to turn to somebody, left or right, and just say to them, God's not done with you. Just do it. Just say it. God's not done with you. We need, to, we need to hear it. And sometimes we need to say it. Just say, God's not done with you. He's not. That's right. He's not done with you. And he wasn't done with Peter. Look, uh, turn to John chapter 21. I want us to see what happens. How Jesus treats a bruised reed. John 21 uh, verse 4 to 8 Jesus is alive. He told the disciples that he was going to meet them. They're waiting for him. They go fishing. A bunch of them were already fishermen. It's natural. And verse 4 of John chapter 21 says, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple that Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, about a hundred yards. I love this passage. He hears that it's Jesus on the shore, And he's like, okay. And he just jumps into the water and swims. Like a miracle just happened. A catch of fish, they were so great, they couldn't haul it in. And he doesn't care about the fish. He doesn't care about the boat. He doesn't care about the disciples. He just cares about getting close to Jesus again. Wait, that's Jesus? Yeah, it's Jesus. Okay. See you guys later. Now, he didn't know what Jesus was going to say to him. He just wanted to be close to Jesus again. 
So what does Jesus say to him? Look down a few verses more. John 21, 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So we have an obvious kind of play here. Jesus' triple questioning of Peter's love echoes the triple denial that Peter gave just a few days earlier. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You you denied me, denied me, denied me. But notice what he also says to Peter. He says, feed my sheep. Take care of them. Lead my people. Teach them. You see how Jesus treats a bruised reed? He doesn't say, he doesn't kick him out and say, you're out. He restores. He heals. He forgives. And he recommissions. Jesus is merciful with the weak. He knows our weaknesses. And he gives second chances. He reinstates Peter as the leader of the church. And Peter would then be used mightily to spread the gospel, as you read in the book of Acts. Jesus was merciful to Peter, and he's gracious and merciful to us, as we seek to follow him too. We're going to stumble, and we're going to fail. And even when we do fail, he sustains us. David Garland, again, one more quote. He says, discipleship is established by Jesus' call and can only be sustained by God's mercy and power alone. We can take comfort from this fact when we also fail in our commission as we inevitably will. Everything depends on God, not us. When we do succeed, we can therefore only give credit to God. Do you know that you don't surprise Jesus? You know that Peter didn't surprise Jesus? Before Jesus picked Peter, he knew that Peter was going to deny him. Before Jesus called out to you and chose you, he knew everything that you were going to do. Before you were even born, he knew all the ways that you would succeed and fail. And he still chose to reveal himself to you. You don't surprise him. Yes, we're going to fail. And we may feel like a failure. And and we were going to fail again in the future. But... We don't focus on that failure. We focus on the one who never failed and focus on the fact that our failures are completely paid for and that there's mercy for us. So again, maybe you're feeling like a bruised reed today. Maybe you're feeling like a failure. Come to Jesus. Look to Him for grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness and love. He's not done with you yet. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that it does bring hope and encouragement. And we thank you for the truth of your character, that you are gracious and merciful. And God, I pray for everybody who is here this morning who maybe is feeling a heavy weight of failure. I pray that they could know 
that they can come to you, that you will be merciful and gracious and compassionate. Help each one of us to run to you and to no one else, to find hope, to find forgiveness. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you care about us. You care about us more than we know. You know us more than we know ourselves, and you love us more than anyone else. Thank you for that. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.